It is easier than ever to reach the customer. It's harder than ever to get and keep their attention. So you can't just say, here's my new shiny thing. It's gonna solve all your problems. You have to really spend the time to know what problems it's gonna solve, describe it in really precise ways, and basically level up so that you're actually getting them to pay attention to because whatever you're providing benefits them. Welcome to the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. I'm here with Heaton. Heaton has worked on a wide range of startups from Kiss Metrics to his latest startup, FYI. He's an experienced entrepreneur, and in this episode, we talk about everything from bootstrapping to venture capital to what it takes to market a startup today, as well as Heaton's favorite hacks and what he does to run a company successfully. I've been a founder of multiple internet businesses since 2003, so it's been about 15 years. And uh, most, uh, uh, most earliest, I started a consulting company with my brother-in-law, Neil Patel, and we started building software. And since then, since the first software we built that was successful, many failures before that called Crazy Egg, uh, we've built many other things. And I've also built stuff uh, outside of working with him as well uh, currently. So we built Crazy Egg, we built Kissmetrics, we built a product called Kiss Insights and sold it. We bought a business called Hello Bar, uh, and we currently work together on Crazy Egg, and I've built some new businesses. So I had a personal email list that I turned into this sort of brand called Product Habits, where I talk about growth and product development and how to build great products, mostly software products, but there's many people who are also creating other types of businesses on the email list. And uh, more recently, uh, as part of building more software, because apparently that's what I do and I enjoy doing it, uh, I created a, a business called FYI. And uh, it helps you find all your documents across all the different uh, sort of cloud services and tools that you use where you might be putting your documents. And that's my latest thing. And uh, yeah, I also, one last thing is I've officially invested or advised in about 120 companies over the last uh you know 10 plus years since i started doing that awesome so are you mostly focused on software as a service businesses and you know and it sounds like your latest uh your latest startup is you know kind of accumulating all these different uh you know data sharing platforms which i gotta say are kind of a pain in the butt um you know every Every company I've worked with, you know, they're using either Dropbox or Google Drive or a combination of an internal server or something else. Like that's, uh, you know, having a solution for that, I, I could, I definitely see a potential market for that. Yeah, we spent uh, a lot of time, my my co-founder Marie and I, uh, on finding out what the problem is in the document space. We built a couple of failed products. Uh, which is something that I used to do a lot, and we did a little bit here to figure this out. And what we learned is that the number one pre problem people have with documents is simply just finding them. Um, lots of documents are created in an organization or even personally, and then when people go to find them, they can't do it from one place. That's a big problem because every single tool has documents in it. So Slack has the ability for people to create documents. 
Uh, obviously, you use G Suite and Google or even like SharePoint and OneDrive, and then there's Dropbox and there's Box, and then even GitHub has pages and things yeah. people can create, and then there's all the wiki software out there like Confluence. And I mean, literally, the list just keeps going on. So what we discovered is that this problem is real and it exists and it's a big problem. And so we decided to sort of build software uh, to solve that problem. And the site is live at usefyi.com. This is not a sales pitch or anything. It's a free product. Uh, and we're in the early stages of it. It just launched uh, literally uh, in May, so four or five months ago. And we're iterating it and have, have built a team out for it. Uh, so yeah, happy to share anything about what I've learned, not just with that business, but through the last 15 years through, you know, helping lots of people as well as working on my own stuff. Yeah. And one of the things, some of the things that you've learned over the last 15 years, you know, having worked on some successful businesses, it sounds like you've also got, you know, some potential failures that you've had as well. Uh, what, what have you learned over that time period and this extensive career of working on all these different startups? Wow. I've learned a lot of things. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I didn't have an appreciation for in the earlier days with Crazy Egg and Kissmetrics is how important it is to focus on finding the most painful problems that your customer has. And what are some of the and best ways of doing that? I, we do a ton of research. I mean, we do interviews. We do a lot of research on competitors. And we also decide that like we're going to focus on big markets and opportunities that are growing uh, that have like um, basically what I call um, tailwind. And what that means is that you're getting pushed and the market's sort of pushing you for the solution. So for example, with FYI, there's so many tools out there. Everyone's using more than like two or three of these tools that we integrate with. And we want to help them have a better, better experience with all those tools. We're not looking to replace those tools. There's also new tools created all the time to help you create documents and manage your sort of work, right? So this is a tailwind. There's a trend, and it's a tailwind. So even if the market's not huge right now, it's going to keep growing. And so the way I think about it is you have to go spend time with actual people that are in the future going to use your product. You have to go spend time researching the products that exist in the market. We've done, literally, we've gotten thousands of responses to understand all those different tools just by asking a net promoter scores question to figure out how satisfied people are with Dropbox or G Suite or Box or GitHub or any of those products. And we use that to basically understand the tools we're integrating with and what people think about them. We use that to sort of triangulate on what we think the most most painful biggest problem people have is what are you seeing right now in the market when it comes to like marketing for example so i've run a startup myself uh you know i've had quite a bit of experience there considered myself a growth hacker um and you know the internet today versus what it used to be you know even just five years ago has kind of changed radically um you know you used to be able to get a lot of traffic for free from seo you used to be able to do all these different marketing strategies now a lot of that is pay to play. So what strategies uh, are you seeing and what are the shifts that are taking place when it comes to marketing new startups uh, you know, in 2018 versus what it used to be like in the past? It's easier than ever to access the customer. They're mm -hmm. everywhere. I mean, this is just legit, this is real. I mean, Facebook has billions of users now. 
Twitter has you know hundreds of millions. There's Snapchat. There's Instagram with a billion plus users. There's a wide internet. There's blogging. It's popular. So what's happened is there's more noise. So when you need to get your message out or want to attract people to your cause or whatever you're doing, you know your mission, um, it's super important to make sure that you spend the time really figuring out what's going to resonate with your audience. And before, even like three, four years ago, content marketing seemed to be like the way a lot of people went, right? They do a lot of blogging or even what we're doing right now, you on a podcast, me on a podcast with you, right? Uh, yeah. It's content. Like we're creating some content. It's harder than ever to stick out from the noise and provide something of meaning to people, yeah. right? That they want to listen to. I mean, I do a podcast as, as well. It's called the startup chat. And it's the startupchat.com. Again, I'm super self-promotional today, but um, I have a lot of things and it's free. And my buddy and I, Steli and I, he runs another SaaS business called Close.io. We do it for fun, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to sell you anything. We don't have sponsors. We just talk and we talk about different topics, right? And that's it. Uh, and so for me, like, it's super important to give people great advice. And the great advice I have on marketing is that it is easier than ever to reach the customer. It's harder than ever to get and keep their attention. So you yeah. can't just say, here's my new shiny thing. It's going to solve all your problems. You have to really spend the time to know what problems it's going to solve, describe it in really precise ways, and basically level up so that you're actually getting them to pay attention to you because whatever you're providing benefits them. And that level of like um, copy and messaging and information that you kind of have to like basically level up compared to ever before is ridiculous. It's like the hardest thing, I think, uh, the hardest reality to face today. Because when I started literally 15 years ago on the internet, marketing was much easier, but there weren't that many people online. So mm. it, had, it was this weird thing where like you could put something out and people would try it and give you the time of day and pay attention to it. Now, People have a way shorter attention span, but there's lots of them out there. A lot more of them on the internet, a lot more of them that are accessible to you. So I guess my, I'm, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir to a great extent, because again, we're on a podcast, you've done a bunch of these, you know how this works. You actually have been focused on crypto, right? From what I hear and what you've told me, and that's a market. There's a lot of tailwind in crypto right now and a lot of mm -hmm. uncertainty, but we won't get into that. This is not a crypto podcast. Uh, <laughs> And like, I think you, you understand what I mean. Like there's still a lot yeah. of noise in that market. There's a no noise in every market. There's noise in uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, all those kinds of things. And so how do you stand out from all that noise? Well, what you do is you make sure that whatever you're providing to other people, whatever you want to provide to an audience you've identified is the bee's knees, as they say. It's the shit. It's something <laughs> people really want. And if you don't do that, Honestly, they're not going to pay attention to you for too long. Bottom line. Heyo, you got a great tech story you want to get published? Maybe something about bots taking over Twitter or how Bitcoin actually works? Or maybe you just have a story about how to build a great software, a great team. Get your expertise published on Hacker Noon. Email us stories at hackernoon.com and a real human will review your submission. Well, and ultimately, when you're creating a product, you you need to make sure that it's something that people want. Uh, and I often see that with a lot of startups, they create you know an idea because they're they're trying to possibly solve a personal need, which is one 
definite way to start a startup. But at the same time, you also need to validate that the market's there for what you're trying to do. And that's one of the things that you've done very successfully is you've looked at, you know, different trends in the market. You figured out, hey, like analytics, that's probably going to be a thing. Searching for documents, like, hey, that's probably a thing as well. Um, you know, so there's different ways to kind of figure out how you're going to create product. And, you know, ultimately, it sounds like with your background, you've got a lot of product experience. Can you kind of talk about like what are the strategies you use for building a product and what makes products sticky? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what makes products sticky is that people are coming back to it daily. And there's some caveats, like some products, if you get people coming back weekly and a high percentage of people that start using it to come back, um, that can work. Some other products, if you get somebody to come in and they you know, set up a few things, and they set it and forget it, but it keeps working in the background for them, that's okay too, but that's still the same thing. They're, you, they're getting value from your product on a daily basis. Maybe they're getting value on a weekly basis in some B2B businesses, but at the end of the day, it's that daily usage or that daily value that people really care about. And I think that that's what you're striving for. So whatever you do, start figuring out whether People who sign up, are they coming back the next day and the day after that and the day after that? And are a super high percentage of them coming back? I'm talking 40 plus percentage of them. And if they're not, then go back to the drawing board. Go iterate. Go figure out who's coming back that regularly and why they're coming back and see if you can get more of those people or tweak your product towards those kinds of use cases. It's super important to be able to drive value constantly for people. And so that they are able to actually keep buying your product, right? Like if, if you're not driving value and they look at that bill, let's say if it's a software as a service subscription product, they look at that bill every month or even every year and they realize that you're not driving enough value for them. You're not valuable to them. They're going to cancel and they churn and they're gone and you don't get to make that money, right? You don't get to help them out anymore. If you're a consumer product and people aren't coming back daily, they're not going to see your ads. Right. Mm -hmm. And if not enough people see your ads, guess what? You're screwed. You're not going to make money. Right. Um, and if you're like a product that requires people to connect a bunch of stuff together, like Zapier, right. If for some reason they're not getting value from those connections that they've made and seeing that value every day, somehow like how you're sending all your attachments into Dropbox using Zapier or your, all your emails are going into Google docs automatically because Zapier lets you do all kinds of things like that. Um, then, you're not going to keep using it, right? So this, this idea of going from this, this society or this concept of marketing and concept of business where you're just providing stuff for people and that's it, right? It's flipped upside down. They need to feel like they're getting value from you every day. And so to me, the measure of a successful product is finding the right ways to figure out if people are getting value every day or not. And what are some of the challenges you're facing right now with launching your new startups? Um, so obviously you've had all this experience with some of the setups you've worked on before, but you know, you're a serial entrepreneur, you're doing it again. So, you know, even after 15 years of experience, what are the challenges that you're still facing to this day? Man, uh, I think like it, it's, what challenges am I not facing? Like, <laughs> honestly, like nothing really changes you, you in a business, you tend to want to grow the business and you have just a few sets of problems, regardless of what kind of business it is. You have 
growth problems because you can't grow the business fast enough or you don't know how to. And then you have product problems because you need to constantly make sure your product is the best in the market. You really do, right? You need to make sure it's the best in the market for your customers. And that essentially leads to like the number one problem. And I like to say this, this is one of my favorite things to say, which is more people, more problems, more team members in your company, the more problems you're going to have to solve and deal with. And that's why, you know, so many people focus on culture and all these other concepts, right? Like on how do you create a great culture? How do you create a team that's like driven and in it for a mission and like on top of like, you know, solving problems for customers and designed around that. So to me, my constant worry and concern has to do with our team. And are we the right team? Do we have the right people in order to be successful in the market that we're in? Yeah, scalability is also a huge factor. Um, do you believe in such a thing as growing too fast? Yeah. I think that when you grow really fast, you figure out what breaks. So I don't necessarily have a problem with growing too fast. I have a problem with growing too fast, so fast that you're not conscious to the problems you're creating. So it's not really about the growth that's the problem. It's about your ability to handle the growth from, from the from the perspective of fixing the problems. And that means that you have to be able to see the problems as you grow. So for example, if you're just growing and you don't know why, are you really growing? Are you gonna be able to sustain that growth, right? So that would be the big question, I would say. And what are some of your thoughts on venture capital versus bootstrapping? Do you consider yourself a bootstrapper? Have you taken VC money in the past? I know you've had some exits. Uh, can you give us some thoughts on venture capital versus bootstrapping? Yeah, I call it self-funding instead of bootstrapping because I don't have straps. I don't wear boots often. <laughs> <laughs> I never wear boots, actually. Uh, maybe my co-founder does sometimes. Uh, but like, uh, and I don't have straps. I pull myself up and, you know, go. <laughs> I call it self-funding, but I totally get bootstrapping and where the terminology comes from. I would say that I'm not opinionated about one or the other. <clears throat> what I care about is if I take money from somebody, investors, right, that I know what I'm going to do with that capital and they believe they know what I'm going to do with that capital. And if anything changes, I'm set up to have a great conversation with them or I'm set up to communicate with them very clearly. And that's the part that like, I think people kind of forget. You take money, somebody is giving you money in order to grow your business predictably, to be honest with you. Like that's actually what they're giving you the money for. Maybe early seed rounds they're not, but honestly, you're looking to get to a place where there's a spreadsheet, there's board meetings, and there's accountability of growth. When you say we're gonna grow this much in the next quarter, guess what? You better grow that much in that quarter or you have somebody to answer to, right? That is, has given you money, has trusted you with their money in order to grow your business right? And remember, somebody gave them money to give you money to grow your business because they have limited partners too. So I think there's a fundamental rule here where it's like, for me, until I get to a point in my businesses where, you know, number one, I realize I can grow the business with more capital. So I go take it. Or number two, I realize that I don't need anyone else's capital and the business can sustain itself. I'm not thinking about raising money. That's just me because I can fund my things at this point myself. But if you're really thinking about taking capital, make sure you understand the simplest way I can put it. 
what your next milestone is for the next round of funding. And the reason is you need to have alignment with your investors about what that looks like. What are the metrics you need? What, is the, what, are the, what, what does success look like with the amount of capital you raise? And also when you pitch investors, they want to know that you know what you're going to do with their money. And that's what the whole board deck is about, or not board deck, investor deck is about. It's about telling your story and explaining how you de-risked the business, validated certain things, created an actual financial model, you know, and I don't mean in the MBA sense, but literally an engine that drives growth for your business. And if you're super early and raising a seed round, what evidence do you have that you will get to that place, right? The place I'm talking about that usually you get to after the second round, series A or whatever, uh, or by the time you get there, you're there, right? So to me, it's very basic. I'm not dogmatic. I don't think venture capital is evil. I also don't think self-funding is the only way to go. I do believe though, that if you start self-funded, if possible, you are likely to be able to have a more sustainable approach to your business. The reason is you've de-risked it yourself. You're not asking and trying to convince investors for capital to de-risk a business. You're asking them for capital to grow a business, which is what I prefer, which is what I would like to get investors to help me with, which is help me grow my business. I would like this amount of money. I'm going to do these things with that capital. And here's the outcomes that I expect to happen. Right. And then hold yourself accountable to them. I believe that this is just fundamental business. And I like to take the whole emotions and bad experiences out of it. Because at the end of the day, if a founder has had a bad experience with an investor, it's because of a misalignment of expectations, simply put. So that's the truth. So you have to make sure you're aligned with what they're looking for and what you're looking for, and you match that together. And oftentimes founders are not doing that. They think venture capital is awesome and they should just get someone else's money and build their business. But it's not that simple because once you do that, you're essentially on this road to keep raising money. You're on this road to selling your company or making it go public. You're on this road to make your company as big as possible. And that's what people forget about venture capital or taking anyone's money. The same with a business loan. You go take a business loan like back in the day from the bank. They want their money back. Investors want you to have an outcome so they get their money back. There's two ways they do that. Obviously, you can fail, so that doesn't count. You go public. That means you're public and they have liquidity or you sell your company. And mm -hmm. both of those depend on you growing the business. So I like to have founders focus on the business and growth and what's it going to take to grow the business? What's the risks? What do we need to de-risk, et cetera? Heyo, you got a great tech story you want to get published? Maybe something about bots taking over Twitter or how Bitcoin actually works? Or maybe you just have a story about how to build a great software, or a great team. Get your expertise published on Hacker Noon. Email us stories at hackernoon.com and a real human will review your submission. From a corporate development standpoint, what do you look at in terms of some of the metrics and some of the things that you look at within your business to be able to focus on the business itself, not, you know, kind of excluding the product and maybe what problem you're trying to solve, but what are some of the strategies just on the business side uh, of how you structure that, how you set that up, how you hire teams? Uh, do you have any advice or any insight there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the, the number one thing to do is basically make sure that you're actually building a business. Make sure you know who your customer is. Make sure you know what problem you're solving for them. And then make sure you know 
what kind of team you need in order to build your product and scale your business. And scale could be marketing, sales, whatever. So that all starts with knowing who your customer is and then knowing what problem you're solving for them, knowing what market you're in. Are you selling, if you're B2B, are you selling to small, medium businesses? Are you selling to enterprise customers? Because the way your team's structured and your execution is highly dependent on who your customer is. If you're a consumer internet company, are you primarily a mobile app? Do you have the we a website as well? It, are those things going to help you grow? Is your website going to help you get installs for your mobile app? Well, then you probably need people or a team or efforts put around improving your website, right? So to me, it's like logical. And it starts with who's my customer, what problem am I solving for them, and what do I need to be successful to solve that problem for them and continue to do that. So we're on the Hacker Noon podcast. So That's right. Do you have anything, do you have any stories or examples or a favorite time when you hack something? Um, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, having all the success that you've had, I'm sure there's probably been a moment in your past where you had to hack something to get a result. What so was I, that? I have an ultimate hack because like, you know, hacks are hacks. Um, and the ultimate hack for me is more of a, a simple question. I guess is the right way to say it. I was going to say statement, but it's more of a question. The question is this. If I'm doing something and it feels like it's going to take a lot of work, I try to think about what's the easiest way to do this. And I don't even just think of what's the easiest way. What's the easiest, fastest way to do this? And if you want to go even smarter and go even deeper into the hack, for me, it's literally what's the easiest, fastest way to learn what we really should be doing. Because constantly, like, what we're trying to do is these big initiatives. Like, think about it. You, you're, you're doing this podcast with me. We jumped on it. I know it's, like, a relatively early one, right? Because you told me that, right? So I might even be guinea pig number one, two, three, five. I don't know. Or maybe number one, right? I don't know. And I'm okay with that. And we jumped right in. And, like, it, and like you know, I heard about this literally a couple days ago, right? <laughs> and it's like, hey, you know, we're going to be doing this Hacker Noon podcast now all of a sudden, right? Like, that's what I heard. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Like, let's do this. And I schedule it as fast as the earliest one I could schedule, literally. And that's basically building and doing this to learn, right? And mm -hmm. then you'll learn how to get better at this, or you'll learn what kind of questions you want, or you'll learn how to stop people like me from rambling, right? <laughs> but like, to me, what's the easiest, fastest way to learn what we need to learn to get this right? And oftentimes we're thinking about what that right solution is all imaginary in our heads. And then we like never do something about it. Or we, we come up with this big plan and you, you know what they say about plans. Like, like, you know, when they meet, <laughs> I forgot the exact quote It's like some war quote or something, but like the best laid plans, right. They fall apart when you start executing. That would be the yeah. way I would say it. And so like execute smaller, right. And use some kind of question like that to help you think smaller and help you think about what do I need to do next to learn instead of this big kind of project or this big daunting thing and thinking of something as like big and daunting. Do you have like a good example of when you've applied this methodology and then how that produced a good outcome for you? Yeah, I do it constantly. Like with one of our products, the FYI product that has all the document stuff, we, we really wanted to figure out like what is the right solution for people in order to find their documents. Most of the businesses that came before us just gave you a search box basically and said, Hey, connect your tools and here's a search box. So guess what we did? We found the fastest, the, sorry, the easiest, fastest way to learn if a search box would work. 
So what we did is we built literally a product in three days, used it internally, iterated the user interface a little bit, and released it to about, in total 50, but we started with 20 people in five days from start to finish. No code, no design, all the way to like just get it done. And it was a search box and it crudely just made you connect with a couple services and then you basically got a search box and you typed in the search box and you'd have to go to the website and type in the search box. And we literally spent handheld people, talked to them on a weekly, sometimes daily basis about their experience using it. And we learned a ton and we learned exactly how to build the right solution, which wasn't just a search box, by the way. And so that was probably the last most notable time that I've used it, which has turned into you know, what I would say is a launch product that we're spending a ton of our energy on uh, in order to make it successful. Awesome. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. Um, I think my final thought in order to inspire all the hackers out there, because we are, like you said, on the Hacker Noon podcast, is um, a couple things. One, I, I, I would say that like what I find a lot of people not doing is trusting themselves and trusting their own answers, trusting their ability to come up with their own answers and think critically and logically. And you know why? It's because we get emotional and we get stuck and we want, we seek answers everywhere else, including Hacker News blog posts, which if I do say so myself are great uh, and some of my favorites and I've linked to them a lot in my newsletter because it's just great content, great curation. Uh, and I'm a fan of that. But at the same time, like you probably already know the answer to most things that are challenging for you. You just don't know how to ask yourself the right questions to get to that answer. Yeah. And uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, there's two places. So producthabits.com is my newsletter where I email a weekly email with a bunch of links, uh, including oftentimes Hacker Noon links and uh, other links for product development, marketing, growth. It's just got a bunch of five or six different categories and I curate the links. And if I do say so myself, although other people are saying this, they like the links and things I curate. So, you know, I'll take that and I'll continue to do that. I, I think we're on like number 300 something or something like that. I don't remember. So I've been doing this for a while, a bunch of years now. And that's at producthabits.com. And then check out my new product. It's, it's, it's free. It's a freemium business. And so it's at usefyi.com. So you can find me in those places. And, and again, one of them, both of them is free stuff for you guys. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experiences with us and letting us know about your favorite hack. This concludes another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also find us at hackernoon.com and podcast.hackernoon.com for more episodes. Thank you for listening.